We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Guidance is internal. Ignition sequence starts. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Permission to board, please. Permission to come aboard. Permission to board. Permission to board. Do I have some permission to board that sweet mothership? This is the Permission Granted Podcast. Here's DA. Welcome inside the Permission Granted Podcast, everybody. The show about the show, the show within the show. And as always, you can catch this on the DA Show podcast feed. That's available radio.com, iTunes. I use i. I use Apple Podcasts often, but also Radio.com as well. So you can find us there or Stitcher, Spotify, other places that you get your podcasts. On the normal DA Show podcast feed, you'll see it stacked in there every Wednesday. You could also get just the Permission Granted podcast on its own podcast feed and all those same platforms as well. Today was the final edition of Mothership at the Movies. And let's go back to March, Mraz, when... Just officially things shut down after St. Patty's Day, right around, what, March 20th or so. NBA shut down, NHL shut down, Major League Baseball went on pause, and we had no NCAA tournament. And it was like, oh, silence. And I'll never forget people saying, well, what are you going to talk about? And I said, I don't know. And so we started trying to make some quick decisions on the fly, and one of those decisions were, well... I think we can break down sports movies in a fun way because we were just clamoring to break down something. And the genesis of this was actually you breaking down last Christmas, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. (laughs) You came in for a Trash Tuesday and you had a real problem with the plot line of the claymation classic Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And it was so funny. It just killed me. It was so funny. I'll never forget thinking like, this is so good. And you didn't tell me you were going to do that. Either it was a Trash Tuesday or you said, I got a problem with the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And I was like, well, let's do this on the air. Right. It was definitely Trash Tuesday. And I thought it was so good that when I had this idea for Mothership at the Movies, I said, it's the same concept is that we're really seriously talking about movie dynamics and plot lines that are obviously ridiculous, but we treat them really seriously. Because when you ranted about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, it was stuff that really annoyed you, really bothered you, like it was a Giants-Eagles game and bad play calling in the fourth quarter. 
There's no doubt. It still bothers me to this day. I may not watch Rudolph this go-around because I was so disappointed last go-around. And what was the big plot flaw you saw in that? Well, it was the idea that they finally approve Hermie to be a dentist, and he's making appointments for next Tuesday where he hasn't hired any kind of union to build this place. We don't know where the dentist office is going to be. The idea that in the North Pole, these elves are just going to throw up a dentist's office in the next couple of days without any sort of permits or anything, and he's already booking appointments, I thought to me was a little ridiculous for Hermie to not just be appreciative that he got approved to be a dentist. And oh, by the way, he doesn't have any schooling he really has to go to. And we just assume that dentist's office is going to be built in a week. I thought it was absolutely asinine. So the, the problem with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, a film about a flying reindeer and Santa Claus, was not the flying reindeer part. It was that Hermie just got a dentist license and was starting to take clients without ever having an actual building to take the clients in. Right, and, and whoever the head elf was or his dad or whoever at that point said to him, okay, we'll get you a, a place to be a dentist. And he said, great, your appointment is next Tuesday. And that bothered me so much because I know, you know, even from working at Subway, like what goes into building a spot or whatever, you know, and it was just instead of a thank you, he the guy's throwing off appointments. Hermie, hello, you need to build this place. You need to hire maybe a secretary. You need a lot of stuff that goes in before you start flossing people. It was ridiculous. So it took us to Mothership at the Movies. And so did you count them up? We did 22 of these? Uh, yes. So. Well, my count ended up having, we had a movie we scratched off because we took a little week off in between. This would have been week 23, but it was 22 movies. So I don't know about you, but every time I log on to Netflix to watch one of these or my on-demand or subscribe or buy it on YouTube or something, there's always a movies like this list. Yes. And I'm like, we should do that one. Oh, I want to do that one. This would make a good one. I would say doing this, there's easily another 22 that I would sign up for right now to break down. There's no doubt about it. There are movies I've forgotten about when I sign on to my Netflix or my Amazon queue. Because you watch this, watch this. There's, there's no question. I will say it's always funny because I must have not gotten through the credits or something or maybe like one last second of draft day. Because to this point, every time I log on to one of those, it keeps saying for me to finish watching draft day. And that movie was way back in April, and it doesn't do that for any of the other movies I've watched, so I can't figure out why it's telling me I didn't find and finish watching Draft Day. I know I did. It's very funny how things condition your behavior as well, because now I view Tuesday nights every week as homework night, movie yes. night, take notes night. You know, it's it was interesting. It was it was something to look forward to. Certainly when there was no sports, it was really fun to look forward to. When sports started back up in July, in August, it became a little bit like, how do I fit this in? Right. But I'm sure next Tuesday night I'm going to be like, well, what's our movie? Oh, right. I'm not watching a movie this week. Yeah, it, it became for me something I did mainly in the afternoons on an occasional night because – with my wife working from home during the pandemic and obviously me having to take care of my daughter, it became a very easy thing to do while I kind of played with her or set her up where she kind of have her bottle, have a nap. And I got in a good groove. I went down to the AMRS theater down where I was and I would get locked into a movie. And it was weird because I kind of saw the evolution at the beginning of these movies when we're watching Blue Chips and He Got Game. You know, I could leave my daughter basically laying on a mat. And she doesn't know what's going on. She's kind of looking up, kicking around. And by the time we basically got to Little Giants, Any Given Sunday, 
the water boy here down the stretch, she's flying across the rug, and I found myself having to pause movies more. It became a lot. My old rhythm I was in as my child kept growing here month after month got harder to do as soon as she became mobile. So, yeah, I think next go-around, I'll have to make it a movie night thing after she goes to bed and kind of follow your suit. Make the popcorn, and away we go. The Waterboy ended up being the perfect final movie. I thought I actually screwed this up because when you were out that week, Bogus said, because we had three movies with two weeks to go or something, Right. <clears throat> because we had skipped one week. That was the week that little Mo had passed away. So we did not do a mothership at the movies that that week. So we had three weeks with two movies to go, three movies with two weeks to go. And I made the executive decision to scrap little big league and that we would do the final two football movies going into football season. And also because those two sound bites were in the open. So I felt like we had to do any given Sunday and the water boy. And so I said, we'll do Any Given Sunday first and then Waterboy next. And that was actually because you had said you already had watched Any Given Sunday. And so yes. I was going to be like, all right, since you've already watched it, let's let's give you a solid and make life easy. And then, and then I watched Any Given Sunday last week and said, no, I screwed this up. This should have been the last one because it's such – like a grand film. It's a two and a half hour film. It's done by Oliver Stone. There's so much football in it. It's so rich in football that I'm like, this this is the perfect kind of like finale. And so I felt like, yeah, we kind of screwed that up. And then I watched Waterboy last night. And then we were re reviewing it today. I'm like, nope, this was perfect because it had to be utterly ridiculous. Like, an Adam Sandler film is always ridiculous, but this was at his peak ridiculous in the middle of Little Nicky and Happy Gilmore and all those, Big Daddy. They were so absurd, and this was right there that seriously breaking down South Central Louisiana State University's playbook actually was the perfect way for this show to finish off of this segment. Right, and that was the crux of it, right? It was always supposed to be about the sports, about the coaching I oftentimes think of Mothership of the Movies, and I think if you have a bad coach, a bad owner, somebody you could really rail on, that is the beautiful part of Mothership of the Movies, I think, is what makes it genuine. And yes, having this situation where you have a playbook that is still some kind of green spiral notebook, how big a disaster Coach Klein was, that ridiculousness of it was basically the essence of Mothership of the Movies, so it was the perfect way to go about it. So you said you had a couple of hit list items that we did not oh, get to that you wanted to get to, including the finances of SCLSU. I do, as I as I flip through. By the way, this notebook I have to keep forever now because I'm always going to have these notes for all of these movies when I yeah. look back. This is something else. Okay, so here's really what I had to get to. They don't have the budget at SCLSU to pay a water boy, to change anything other than the sewer water they are giving these players. Remember, there's that scene where Bobby Boucher is like, I cannot allow you to give that to your players. Bobby Boucher seemingly comes from humble beginnings, right? They kind of have this shack on some kind of swamp lake with him and his mother. They've got a donkey living with them. There's no real line of how financially they are being supported in that house. Yet, somehow, in the budget for either Bobby Boucher or SCLSU, they were able to afford... 
a three-pronged approach of offerings of rainwater, spring water, and distilled water, along with the pH strips, which I can tell you add up from owning a pool. Where is all this money in the water department coming from for this team that they can't even afford to pay Bobby? And if it's Bobby on his own, where's he getting the money from? It's all good questions. The financials behind SCLSU are fascinating because they don't have an endorser. They don't have a sponsorship deal or apparel deal for their uniforms, very obviously. They're wearing hand-me-downs. They don't have the correct number of helmets for the team. They play in some disgusting old high school stadium. <laughs> and yet they somehow have Ellis. They somehow have Louisiana. They somehow have Louisville and Iowa on their schedule. Now, there might be a Clemson in there as well, according to Bogish, but so there's some big schools on their schedule, and yet they can't afford anything, including even clean water. It's a disgrace. And honestly, how do you not even have a hose running, right? At the very least, a hose running that he has that bucket of sore water. So that, to me, financially just made no sense. And I would also say financially for Bobby Boucher, again, I question where this money is coming from. The father has left them. The man affords a lawnmower to drive him around town. Yet, conceivably, this SCLSU school is very close to his home. The fact that he could get there, I mean, heck, wherever the Bourbon Bowl was played, they could take a fan boat to, so that was another thing. Everything seems very close in proximity. If that school is that close, why is that not, as a child, his original water boy gig? Why is he trekking all the way to University of Louisiana for this gig yeah. as a kid and that he holds it his whole time? So I just think, I don't know where the money's coming from. I don't know if they're robbing the state a little bit of Louisiana, the Bouchers are. None of it mm -hmm. makes any sense because Boucher should have been with SCLSU from the jump. You're right. They don't have a significant source of income, and we don't know what Mama Boucher even does, and yet they own a donkey that lives in the, in the yeah. house. That's an expensive animal to have it's not like having a cat or a fish no it is, it is an expensive animal da and and obviously they're catching gators seemingly and throwing them on the grill i don't know how that would be they're catching snakes it's, it's just it's a weird that the dietary choices that bobby boucher makes and then last but not least i i understand people disagreeing with me on coach klein and his disgraceful efforts right because of what he turned bobby into he saw what was in bobby and he made him a player and all of this but as an adult and as a man is bobby boucher linking up with a former seemingly junior high girlfriend of his straight out of prison a good decision for bobby boucher now in the end Vicky Valancourt ends up being a nice gal, and we don't know why she's originally arrested. Obviously, she has some kind of rap sheet. But where is Coach Klein grabbing Bobby D.A. and saying, no, 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 son, you have to focus on football here. This girl just got out of prison and also, by the way, later steals LT's Corvette. I don't know if you picked up on that. <laughs> she's driving the LT56 license plate. It just seems like Coach Klein is not helping Bobby make good decisions. No, Coach Klein's life is in shambles. He, you know, when he was booted out of LSU or LU, Louisiana University Cougars, when he was fired and they just took all of his playbook, you know, he was clearly a shattered man. Now, I don't know how long he's been the coach at South Central Louisiana State University <laughs> because they're on a 40-game losing streak. So has he overseen all 40 of those losses? If so, is that the ultimate job security? If so, I mean, that's what's driven him totally insane. I think it's time for a change at 
South Central LSU. And overall, you know, as you said, Coach Klein just deserves to get ridiculed to no end for so much of this. And it's a far cry from a winning operation, even with a 31-year-old linebacker that lights the world on fire. Yeah, yeah. And I wish we had the other part of this, I would wonder, a final season total sack number for Bobby yeah. Boucher because he had 16 in week one and I believe <laughs> had 22 in week two. So he already probably had broken the single season sack record after two weeks. And we never do get that number. And I do ask the A at 31 years old, when Bobby Boucher gets married to Vicky Valancourt here at the end of his long legacy, again, don't know how he's going to afford a home here. He is <laughs> stiff arming. The idea that he's going to go play in the NFL because he wants to continue to get his education. And I could get behind that. But, again, at 31 years old, you may only have four or five-year NFL career ahead of you. Can't you go back to school after the fact? Again, it just seems like bad decisions by Bobby Boucher. Yeah, it's like Cameron Wake. You know, you spent so many years in the CFL. You've right. got to get your money now in the NFL. I'm glad you bring up Cameron Wake, and I'm just going to hit you with this one other quick hitter. Bobby Boucher, I did have in notes. Cameron Wake made my notes, DA. Mm. Bobby Boucher and Cameron Wake, something in common, both in their career, have walk-off safeties for a win. Cameron <laughs> Wake doing so on Halloween night 2013 versus the Bengals in overtime. It was a Thursday night game, and Bobby Boucher has that moment, obviously, uh, towards the end of the season, I believe it's versus Iowa, where he gets the walk-off safety, and that's how they win. So Cameron Wake and Bobby Boucher, more in common than you'd think. So Mothership at the Movies is so funny for those reasons, and we we got to dust it off and bring it back, but what's the appropriate time to be away from Mothership at the Movies? Like, what happens if there's no NCAA tournament? Do we just bring it back in March? Do we wait until the summer after the NBA Finals are over? 2021's sports schedule could be totally bonkers. And remember, right. we could have college football going up until like May or June. I think telling everybody now a date we bring back Mothership at the movies would be a mistake for for a lot of those reasons. You're already hearing rumblings with Adam Silver and obviously Gary Bettman on not wanting to hammer out an official date on when they start because they may just be looking for a vaccine to come out. And who knows, maybe February is this mad rush of, like you said, Big Ten football and the beginning of a, of a flurry of an NBA season and maybe a very condensed college basketball season to rush into the tournament. And maybe February suddenly becomes this crazy, bonkers sports time to go. Um, or maybe it is April. Maybe the NBA season gets extended and we see playoffs into late July, beginning of August next year. And that's not the right time for Mothership of the Movies, so maybe it ends up being in April or something like that. So I think... We know Mothership of the Movies will come back. We know we're going to have a lull in sports. Heck, you never know. Maybe it comes late fall. We hope this doesn't happen with some NFL or college football problems, and we have to bring it back a little then, too, or for a week or two. Maybe it's even something you don't bring back, you know, six straight weeks. Maybe we just need a week with a Mothership of the Movies, and we go, hey, we're going to bring it back for one week. Here's okay. a movie. So, I, look, as as much as pot shots from the producing angle, from speaking from the producing angle of this, I would say you don't put a date on it. We'll know when the moment's right. Okay. We'll just sense it. We'll have the yes. instinct. Yes, we'll instinct. And not to totally take over side A here, DA, I just didn't want you rapping here. I do have one important question to ask you as I went through the movies. I this is gonna we're gonna play the game here. You're blindfolded. I don't want you to overthink it. All the movies we did, twenty two of them. When you think mothership at the movies, you think what movie? 
Uh, that's a hard one. For some reason, Slapshot came into my mind. Okay, that's fine. I just wanted to hear... You don't have to overthink it. That's, there's but no that wrong answer. But that wasn't necessarily the most notable breakdown that we had. No, no, but that's that's why I did the exercise, because I would wonder where you went. But maybe that could have just been your favorite movie. But you know what? It, when I think about it, like the craziest breakdown that we did, I think, was Rookie of the Year. That was a really okay. funny one, because it it combined like the sappiness of a Disney film with the reality of a Major League Baseball movie about the Cubs combined with the ridiculousness of a 13-year-old becoming the closer of a World Series champion or whatever. And that was so funny because it melded all of those things. And we had to break it down like a real sports movie when it involved a 13-year-old as the closer of the Cubs. I think that's a great answer. I love that breakdown. For me, the answer is undeniably Ed. It still will always be Ed. And and when we think that's kind of one we got ridiculed for, it was a chimpanzee playing third base. (laughs) But perhaps... My favorite week during the pandemic was the week we did, Ed, and that was just over the top. It might have been the one of, I would say, a top five in eight years. The most ridiculous thing we did was break down the movie Ed and the chimpanzee playing third. And the stress level that Ed caused you that morning when we did the PGP, where you had now leaned back in your chair, taking your mic off your mic stand, that image to me, looking at you through a Google Meet, I will never lose, and I will just remember you not understanding why he was freezing in the truck, why <laughs> Matthew LeBlanc was also throwing 130 miles an hour when the storyline was Ed playing third base. And I just think Mothership of the Movies, for all the knock Ed got, we did 22 of them, I think that is the one that still stands out to me is you can't tell the story of Mothership of the Movies without Ed. It's true because Ed led to Eddie, and then that led to the pivot of we've done – Ladybugs, Ed, and Eddie in succession. <laughs> and we have to start doing good movies because the the natives were restless. The listeners were starting to get upset at us. Well, the ironic thing is, DA, your answer was Slapshot. And that was the one movie mixed in with those three in a four-week span that was the most serious. So maybe that's why it stands <laughs> out to you because you, you liked it the best because of what it was surrounded by. It's true. It's true. And, you know, Ed was so absurd it was obscene in its absurdity <laughs> that to try to find a, a way to to really break down the, the baseball of a monkey playing third base was <laughs> extraordinary and today we got out right at the right time because it, the tweet that i got was the nba is playing the playoffs the nhl are ha- have the playoffs and football's right around the corner and you are talking about the movie Waterboy. You guys, this show is pathetic. That's what the tweet was. And I looked at it and I said, it's time to exit stage left. We've done this as long as we can do it. We've held on the rope. We've held the rope as long as we could. And now, yeah, I think we got to stop breaking down. Spending two segments and then the permission granted podcast on an Adam Sandler movie from 22 years ago. Forget the, forget what we're going to do with the two segments. That's going to speak for itself. What the heck are we going to do on the PGP going forward after this? It became, you know, like totally, you know, Siskel and Ebert sitting here. I don't know what we're going to do on PGPs now. All right, that will wrap up side A. Mariz is going to break down side B with Mr. Andrew Bogish right now. Welcome into side B of the PGP. This is Mraz. Host of Side B, executive producer of the DA show. You know me well if you've listened to this Side B. You know me well if you listen to the show. And I'm joined by somebody else you know well. That man is Andrew Bogish. Bogey, hello. Shawnee, hello. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, first, before we get into what is the final time we will be doing a mothership at the movies, seemingly for a long time. Mm. 
I do have, uh, obviously, something DA looked to mention. The summer DAs are back after two weeks off on, or two weeks on, I should say, on Thursdays and Fridays. Me and you return this Thursday and Friday. So keep it locked to the DA show, and you'll get plenty of me and plenty of Bogues, and I know Bogues is looking forward to it. How many more of these do we have? The two this week and then next Friday, and I think that's it, right? Well, next, are you on next Friday? Because I'm off next Thursday and Friday, so you might be solo, buddy. Oh, I thought DA was in on Friday too, no? No, no, no. Me and DA no, are so both off Thursday, Friday, and Monday. Yeah, so, see, I pay very little attention to the emails that I do get from our group, so I probably should have known that. But I, I knew DA was out, but I thought it was me and you next Friday. Because no. I know we also, too, if I, I was behind the, behind the times on Labor Day as well. I finally just got that off since everybody else is off. I thought that was another me and you show or maybe just a me show. But nope, it's uh, I think Kincaid's in that morning, so I will not be here Labor Day doing updates. So maybe it's how, just this week, and then it's done. How about that? Okay, so so are you doing the show solo next Friday? Is that what's how you getting what I had that last Monday? I doubt it because I'm not you. Um, it's possible that though mean? that no one. Well, you have a you're you know on the hierarchy, you're number two, and they think there's a, f- a fairly significant drop to Connor, and then to me. <laughs> So, and you know, it's also, it's also possible that's what nine or 10 days away from now, our bosses might not have gotten to that calendar yet and realize that UNDA are out and have made no decisions yet on who's in instead. So maybe it will be me, maybe it's somebody else, but I'll find out eventually. Okay. All right. There you have it. So that was our public service announcement. You do get the summer DA love continuing on Thursday and Friday with Bogish and myself. Now, Bogish, we've closed out mothership at the movies here with the water boy so again i have to ask you before we get into any of the ins and outs we might have missed uh the thing maybe you like the most about the water boy and the thing from a movie standpoint not even a sports standpoint you hated the most about the water boy yeah you know it's still i mean it's still a funny movie and i and it's Little Giants and a couple other ones that I hadn't seen in a really long time. Watching them again, and obviously Waterboy included, I remember going through them how many jokes I stole or lines that were in my head when I first saw the movie. Like, Vicky Valancourt, I hadn't heard that name in years, but I know I made so many Vicky Valancourt references from like 98 to 2001. And then I pulled it back up to have it in front of me. That speech near the end of the movie where there's those two, like, misfit fans that are that are constantly shown. One of them stands up and goes, I'm not what you would call a handsome man. The good <laughs> Lord chose not to bless me with charm, athletic ability. Like, I did that speech, especially I am not what you would call a handsome man. Like, I tried to make that funny multiple times after the Waterboy came out. So that's been like the fun part for me is like reliving all of these and remembering the specific things that were funny to me, extra funny to me, like in the original viewing of the movie. And the bad part, I mean, it probably was distasteful. Like I said on the air during the show on Wednesday, it probably went over the line too many times in terms of, um, you know, Bobby's mental acuity and some other jokes are a little off color now that weren't back then or maybe should have been back then or maybe a younger me just thought were funny. So a couple of times I like cringed. But other than that, I mean, it was it's it still pretty much stands up, I think, two decades later. Uh, I would agree with that. I, I enjoyed it wholeheartedly. Some of the comedy 
really did make me laugh. I just look at an Adam Sandler movie now, and I think Adam Sandler has kind of done himself in with some of these bad Netflix movies and such that even though the movie was really funny, it was really good, I do feel like if Adam Sandler made another really good comedy like that today with of The Elk of Waterboy, we just wouldn't look at it in the same way we look at The Waterboy now, right? Like, I think it would just be looked at like, here's another lame Adam Sandler movie that's going to go on Netflix, right. even if it is like literally the same amount of funny it just it was living in the adam sandler heyday so i think that would be where i would where i would look at that did you see uncut gems by the way i did see uncut gems yes did you like it cuz i did i didn't even finish it i disliked it so much i finished it i wouldn't say i disliked it so much but i i will certainly say this the way people on and maybe this is just a, the victim of being on twitter and partially maybe it's me being in new york in this wfan spectrum where mike francesa had a cameo as his bookie I don't know. I, I watched Uncut Gems, and the way people were talking about how great it was, I sat there, and I think the movie would have been fine if I had no expectations. But I came in with these expectations that this was going to be like one of the great movies of the last couple of years, and it, it wasn't that at all. And Adam Sandler, to your point, I think you might be going with this, I know he kind of stepped outside what you're usually knowing him for. His character, I could give or take him. Like, I didn't need Adam Sandler being that greaseball. Yeah, and I've liked other movies where he wasn't Adam Sandler. Like, there's the one movie where he's, like, a washed-up comedian helping um, Seth Rogen and somebody else. Like, I I like that movie more than other people did. The Punch-Drunk Love, which is an older movie, I like that as well. I, I like him in general, and I wanted to like this one. But, like, it was just—it was so manic, and every, it was just constantly screaming, and it was, like, too fast-paced and too intense. Like, it made me tired watching. almost like a panic attack watching it. So I saw, like, the first half of it one morning when I was the first person up in the house, and then I tried to finish it, and I didn't love the first half I saw, and it didn't get any less, like, manic -y. And I was like, you know right. what? I'm not even going to try a third time to finish this. I'm okay not seeing how this how this ends. <laughs> Walks away. It's very rare I walk away from a movie like that. Now, I did also want to bring up, we've often made uh, many jokes about my education. Obviously, that was a big part of the poll question on Wednesday. But I also didn't, I didn't go to schools where you would uh, have those college parties everybody raves about. And mm. here at South Central Louisiana State University in the Waterboy Bogus, I did find it interesting after the first win that the coaching staff, as well as the professor they call Colonel Sanders, all are partying with the students at Fordham. Did you ever see a college party where the football coaches and professors were partying it up with their students? No, if there were cool parties like that, I was not invited to them during my four years in the Bronx. I don't think there were many of them. There was not, there's not, Fordham's not the biggest party school. Being in New York City, people usually left campus and like went into Manhattan and did whatever they wanted to do there. Um, they were not like, and we didn't have frats or sororities or anything like that. So there was no like real craziness and it never involved any kind of like actual employee, teacher, coach, whatever. And I was stunned to a news when Colonel Sanders is wand like, how is he even in that house? How does he even know about the house party to be there to run into Bobby and have to say, you know, give your best, give my best to Mama and run the other way? How did he even know to go there in the first place? Yeah, and it's interesting too when you bring up Colonel Sanders. The only thing that came to my mind was not Colonel Sanders Kentucky Fried Chicken, but if Jody Mack was semi a little more healthy, is that a Jody Mack at the age of seventy or so? I mean, is Jody Mack ever going to wear a suit like that? I mean, that to me is the that's what clinches the look is the suit. And I don't know that I could see Jody in that, but the nice white goatee and the white hair, maybe some studious glasses on on Jody. 
I could go I could go that far, but you're not going to host a radio show in Philadelphia or New York or on satellite radio wearing that Colonel Sanders light blue or white suit, whatever color it was. So <laughs> I think that's where the, the comparison would end to me. And how do you think DA – I should have asked DA this on Saturday. How do you think DA would have felt when Bobby Boucher shows up jobless to go get this job at South Central Louisiana State University, who seemingly aren't in the market to hire a water boy because they don't have the budget, so you don't know where he even – how he even got in to see the head coach. But he shows up with that, like, baby blue throwback leisure suit. Do you think DA would have approved of that wardrobe choice for for an interview? (sighs) You know, you you made a good point on the air Wednesday too, comparing Farmer Fran to um, to Bill O'Brien, <laughs> and I I honestly might prefer you showing up to this type of interview to work for a team like in athletic gear as opposed to the weird leisure leisure suits. I feel like the leisure suit sends a completely different message. In 1998, going back to, like, 1970s velvet or whatever that's made of. Um, so, like, that that might have freaked me out more so than you showing up in, like, casual wear. Because at least we have a fairly casual job. It's like my, my debate at our studio with our no short rule. Like, I can't wear nice shorts that I iron and wash and that, like, have, you know, or, or that are hemmed correctly or whatever. But people can wear pants any type of pants they want. They could be Adidas warm-up pants. They could be sweatpants. They could look like a slob. But because they have pants, like, they're okay. But my nice shorts aren't because you can see the bottom half of my legs. Like, that doesn't compute. So, so back to your point, yeah, you know what? I, I, I think DA by default would have appreciated them not being some kind of, like, sweatpant, the leisure suit. But I think the sweatpant might have fit the situation better than the leisure suit. All right. That's an interesting assessment. All right. Now one more for you here as we go down here on side B of the PGP Bogus and Bogus and me Mraz talking about the water boy. This was our 22nd movie we did in a 23 week span of mothership at the movies. We've done some great ones. We've done some bad ones. I just did this exercise with DA on side A. I want you to close your eyes. Don't overthink it. The first movie that comes to your head when you think mothership at the movies was what? Oh man, um, probably Ed. Is that yes! the one with the chimpanzee yes! playing third base? I mean, I, that just kind of sums up the entire the entire exercise this summer. That was my answer as well. It, it absolutely was. It was it was that run of Ed into Eddie right for that yet a couple weeks ladybugs, but it was Ed specifically because I think as much heat as we got for taking Ed, you just think when when I think mothership of the movies, oh yeah, chimpanzee played third base. Like uh, you cannot tell the history. <laughs> I don't think you can tell the history of I'll, – I'll one-up what I said on Sade. The history of the DA show during the coronavirus pandemic without the movie Ed. Like that is you know, how important and integral I think Ed was right. to Mothership and of the Movies. If you're making like, – yeah, exactly. If you're making some kind of time capsule, like here's what I did, what we did on the show during pandemic, that would be the episode you've had to put in there because it sums up the entirety of five-plus months of just – nonsense watching a nonsensical movie and trying to make sense out of it as if it was a documentary and we didn't do a better job than there i mean between again the lunacy of a chimp playing third base and actual baseball decisions and a fr- you know a guy in a frozen truck i mean it was just it was <laughs> mind-blowing in every possible way 
Oh, I love it, Bogus. We are in lockstep on that. Now, before we lock out, I did want to, uh, again, just congratulate our colleague, our cohort, cohort, hurt, whatever, uh, Pete the Body Bilotti on, on the birth. Cohort. Pete the Body yes. Bilotti on the birth of his son. He is happier than the moon. I have, I don't know about you, Bogus, I have spoken with Pete almost every day. The guy is as happy as I've ever heard him. That includes his wedding. So mm. we... I believe we're welcoming him back next week. I'm sure he's going to take some more time off before that uh, or after that. But are you, are you looking forward to getting a little Pete back? And do you think, like we discussed earlier in the show, we're going to have a little less angst Pete for a little bit? A little bit. only, And, and like the high-end stuff. I'm still going to get the text of all caps break when it's 41 and we have to go to Pete's imaginary hard timeout at like 43 past the hour. Like that's still going to come by like Wednesday of next week. But I would hope that the long, like the real deep-rooted Pete anger has at least been calmed until October 1st. If it happens before, if there's a Pete meltdown over a schedule or a parking spot or a tape op before October 1st, we've got problems. <laughs> that, that I would agree, is going to happen. So Pete the Body Bilotti, I know you. <laughs> I know you, D aliens. Uh, you know, sometimes knock him. A lot of times, love him. He's, you know, he's one of us. We we love him dearly. It was cool that up the guts Instagram account put up a nice uh, salute to him as well. We welcome him back next week. We have a new little member of the DA show family, so I think that's really cool. But bogish, hey man, I don't know. I made this line also to DA inside A, and those listening have already heard it. I don't know what the heck we're gonna do with that mothership of the movies on the PGP. We're gonna have to go back to really <laughs> maybe maybe ironically it goes back to railing on Pete and seeing what Pete's right. going on. Yeah, this is bad news for pete but we'll have plenty of that it's been fun breaking down these movies with you basically since the spring and uh you know that'll do it for the pgp bogus what's your uh, what's your twitter handle for everybody at andrew bogus and as and always you, figure out where the yes and the c go yes figure that out because i still haven't and at me at Baraz, have a great week everyone <laughs> We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. 